Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night service, our believers meeting. Uh, doing a little, little, doing it a little bit different this week. We've been having a great time the last few weeks doing it with our pastoral panel and just kind of flowing with each other. Today, we're doing something totally different. In fact, we've never done something like this before. We have a special guest with us, uh, uh, Brother Joe Morris from Tulsa, and he is coming at us live tonight from Tulsa. So isn't that pretty cool that we can do that with technology? Uh, uh, before we get going, just wanted to, uh, first of all, of course, welcome everybody. But if you are new watching a service from Life Church today, then we're so glad that you tuned in. However you found us, whether you uh, know about us or you're on the other side of the world watching, we're glad that you are here. And uh, in fact, we'd like to send you a gift if you will check in, so to speak, with us. The way we do that is uh, we have a, a number uh, dedicated for texting this particular thing. If you will text the word NEW, N-E-W, to that number there on the screen, uh, then you'll get an immediate text back from us and you can kind of fill out our new new person card uh, digitally and we'll send you a gift. Um, we're so glad you're watching. So glad everyone has tuned in today. We're going to have a good time. And as we've experienced over the last several weeks, even though we haven't been meeting in person, God still works mightily through this medium. And uh, we believe that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to you and manifest Himself right there in your living room or wherever you are. And, uh, and thank God that we can get the word out this way. Uh, most of you know uh, that our, our governor and, and leaders in, in Idaho have given us the green light, given all churches the green light to gather again starting this Sunday. So we are looking forward to that. It'll be a little bit different, uh, but, you know, the word's not going to be different. The worship's going to be awesome. I'm going to preach just as good. In fact, I'm even considering preaching better than normal. So I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I'll be coming to you tomorrow with a special video update where we'll share a little bit more detail about our uh, services this Sunday. And so I look forward to seeing you then. Tonight, I want to welcome uh, to Life Church, live from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, Reverend Joseph Morris. Uh, he has been with us uh, many times over the years and always brings a tremendous word. Uh, one of his uh, specialties, if you will, is uh, teaching about the end times, as well as, you know, many other subjects, gifts of the Spirit and ministry of angels and so many other things that has been a blessing to us over the years. And so we're glad to have him here. He also does, uh, I'm sure some of you watch it from time to time at least, every week he has his end of days update that he uh, puts online and that's just an outstanding resource and keep uh, you know to keep us aware of the days and the times in which we're living uh, so close to the return of the Lord. And so we're happy to have uh, Joseph Morris with us here tonight, and we are splitting the screen right now. Uh, we could talk back and forth, but we have a little bit of a delay when we do that, and we kind of talk over each other. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to him now, and uh, go ahead and, you know, as always, 
the way we are here. Take your liberty and uh, share what's on your heart and we'll believe God together for good things tonight. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. It's so good to be with you. What a, what a crazy day that we get to be with each other halfway around the country. And I thank God for technology where we can still meet and hear the word. It's so important that we semi-gather, gather. How cool that you're opening up this weekend. That's exciting. And uh, great days ahead, man. What a time to be on the earth right before the coming of the Lord. And you see the, the whole world get captivated by this virus. So uh, isn't it wonderful we have the answers? So it's always been great being with, with you and Pastor Amy and, and the church. I've loved being there over the years. Got to uh, be with you in the school and then go uh, be in the uh the men's meetings were so much fun. Get to be around your guys. Well, the main thing I so love about Life Church is how how normal everyone is, and yet you still press for Jesus, uh, to promote Jesus. Bold about Jesus, bold about the Word, bold about the Spirit. It's such a great combination. If you're watching tonight and you've not been to the church, you've got to come here, Pastor Mark. It'll bless you. It'll strengthen you. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're forcing the issue to hear the Word, even though we can't be together like we want to be. And uh, there's something about the incorruptible seed. When it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. So uh, in this hour, what a time to be living when there's a pandemic. Who would have ever thought that the birth pains or contractions would be this strong? Really, that's what we're looking at is in Matthew 24. Uh, this is exactly what that is. And the Bible talks about kind of something happening just before the tribulation. And Jesus called it birth pains or contractions. Every woman I've ever seen go into labor, <laughs> the contractions get so severe that uh, uh, it, it takes over their lives. And that's exactly what this coronavirus has done. It's contractions. And the more severe they get, the more attention you pay to them. So really the world's looking for the answer, and you have it, Life Church. You have it. His name is Jesus. So we're going to get into some things tonight that show us how close we are uh, to the return of the Lord. So the whole thought pattern about all that is an acceleration mentality. And it's so nice knowing uh, Life Church as well as I do that you have such a foundation of who you are in Christ. It's just extremely healthy to know that you've been made righteous. Extremely healthy to know that you've been seated with Him in heavenly places. Extremely healthy knowing that He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. So we're coming at such a different angle right here before the coming of the Lord. So much fear in the world, so much fear even in the church. I listen to word people and there's not much word happening in some of the word people I hear. I'm like, no, uh, there should be a dominion mentality. And before we get into the coming of the Lord, uh, I've been trying to get into that a little bit, even about Elisha and the old covenant, how uh, it was through absorption. He had the presence of God, the spirit of God upon him as a prophet. And uh, he had died. They put him in the uh, burial grounds there. Then when they had that battle, the soldier that got killed, they threw him into, they didn't know it was Elisha's grave. And the, and the presence of God that was absorbed into Elisha's bones, uh, well, there was enough life in that to raise that soldier from the dead. That must have been pretty crazy. You throw a guy in the grave, next thing you know, he's coming out running after you. But uh, that was cool, and that's great. That's absorption. But what you have in the New Testament, it's not absorption. He's in you. I mean, absorption's good, but, but Jesus is living in you. So as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, when you live, when there's times of contractions and different things happening in the earth, you want to know your authority, you want to know your dominion, and you want to know what you're carrying. Just like John Lake, remember uh, years ago when he was building churches in South Africa and the bubonic plague was there, people were dying all around him, and they, his workers were fine, he was fine, and they, they said, what in the world's going on with you that everyone's dying around you except you and your team? And he said, well, uh, put the plague on the microscope, and I'll touch the edge of the microscope, and you'll see the plague die. 
and they got the contraption together and they put the plague on the microscope. He touched the edge of the microscope and the power of God on the inside of him uh, eliminated that plague. And he said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. So uh, uh, there's something working in you that supersedes anything you can come up against. It trumps everything. And you see it when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, all of a sudden, he, it, that presence, that kingdom couldn't be contained. It began to radiate through his skin. And that's what you carry. So this is a day of no fear, no concern. Yes, there is, there's turmoil on every side. Uh, but we as the church get to be in joy, get to be in victory, and get to press on. Because, man, we're at the finish line. When you, The excitement is we're at the end of the church age. So that's what we'll get into tonight. So uh, Colleen sends her greetings. She wish she could be here with me. And I'm so blessed to have her with me. She's got to go come up and be with you a few times. But let's pray and we'll get right into the word. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for what you have for us right here before your return. We thank you for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. We're in awe that you let yourself be beaten, your back torn apart, and you were raised from the dead. Help us. Help us in this hour, Father. Show forth the resurrection. Help us show forth that death could not hold Jesus down. And, Lord, we're, we're with great expectation looking for what will transpire right up to the coming of the Lord. So help us accelerate, Lord. Help us have our focus on doing the will of God. I, I thank you, Father, for great grace upon every person that's watching tonight, Lord. They'd be strengthened. And they'd be encouraged. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. You know, before everything got shut down, I was preaching in Kentucky. And this was so cool. Uh, I had a word of knowledge that someone had palsy. And I was just in this church uh, just a few months ago, and they were telling me about this in the, the service I was there before. I said, I had a word of knowledge, and said, someone has palsy. And there was a woman there that had Bell's palsy, and uh, she had, was not used to these kinds of services. And the power of God came on her, and her friend beside her said, hey, I think he's talking about you. What just came on you has gotten on me. And she was healed of Bell's palsy, and she was a, a woman that went to a denominational church. She was so freaked out that night at 1230, she called her pastor and she said, I know Jesus doesn't heal anymore, but I think I got healed tonight. Well, her symptoms were gone. She was healed of Bell's palsy and her pastor was so sweet. He said, you know what? We, uh, we, uh, we, we believe that Jesus still heals too, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> so we're so blessed, uh, to have such a radical encompassing redemption for every part of your life. Another service I was in a few months ago in South Carolina, just before the lockdown, and I was preaching and I had some words of knowledge at the end. And one of the words of knowledge was someone had damage in their carpal tunnel and their knees were getting healed. And, I, and, and the Lord said there was someone there that had something severed on the inside of their nose. And I called that out and said, you're healed. Finished the service up. This man came walking down, probably six foot, ten, six foot eight, just huge guy. And I was, he said, I want to say something. I was a little reluctant to let him say something. He said, I want to say something. He said, I don't know you. He said, but my arm got healed, carpal tunnel got healed, my knees got healed. And he said, I text my wife. She'd had some uh, brain surgery. They went up through her nose. And when they did, they severed some of the things on the inside of her, her nose passage. And she texted him right after he texted her. And she said, I can breathe perfectly. My nose is healed. God's so cool. You don't even have to be in the building and you still get healed. <laughs> so we, we serve a wonderful God. So let's get into uh, what we can anticipate. And what we can look at as far as signs, maybe markers, maybe signals of how we can tell we're close to the coming of the Lord. Because you make adjustments. In the race, when you're running, you see the finish line, you make adjustments. All the training is for right there. And my friend, we'll look at some things tonight that show us how close we are to the finish line. And the whole purpose is not to escape, but it's to accelerate. Yes, we are going to be evacuated. We will be raptured. But there's a lot to do before we go. So we must uh, uh, hustle. 
Uh, just like in football, the two-minute warning sounds, man, that's when the intensity happens. Uh, I've never seen a quarterback say, don't show me the play clock. No, the quarterback needs to know how close he is on his time. It's the same thing for the church. Well, there's some things we can look at in the Bible that show us precisely where we are in time. Because I hear people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, actually, you can if you look at the signs. Just like if you were driving from Dallas to Tulsa or or Boise to Twin Falls, however many miles it is, the signs on the interstate show you you're in, headed in the right direction, so you're anticipating getting there. If the sign says 50 miles, you know you got about 42 minutes if I'm driving. <laughs> if sign says 30 miles, sign says 20 miles, you know you're getting closer. So there's some things in the scriptures that are flawless. They're precise. They're exact. They're, they're, there's no wiggle room there because they've already happened. It's so cool that God did this so we could tell where we are. It's interesting. He never rebuked the crowd except for one time because they didn't know their hour of the visitation. He said, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour of visitation. Now, he rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over again. But the crowd, he never rebuked them except for not knowing the time. And I heard people go, well, why would we want to know when the Lord's coming back? So you make changes. You make changes in your life. I had one guy tell me, so what if you preach on the coming of the Lord? You're just scared by soaps up. Duh, that's exactly right. Uh, your, your strength is tied to your joy. And knowing you're about to see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, man, it'll get you full of joy. I just start thinking about it. I'm about to be 33, man. How cool is that? And I'm about to be the right weight. My weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. So how cool is I'm going to get a glorified body? This this uh, uh, stain of Adam is going to be taken off of me, and I'll have a glorified body. Won't that be wonderful? So soon we'll have that. So it's very exciting. Paul wrote those things to comfort us so we'd have comfort, not so we'd have fear. So we'll get into all those things. So why why do we get into the coming of the Lord? Well, it shows the authenticity of the Bible. It's pretty cool. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, there's eight times more about the second coming. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, coming of the Lord 52 times. So it's the theme in the book, Jesus is coming back. And we're so segmented in that, that in all the Gospels, the Gospels all mention the second coming and talk about the second coming. Second coming is very documented in the Old Testament. But when it comes to the New Testament, the rapture of the church and the church age was such a mystery and such a secret that the disciples didn't even comprehend it. They thought Jesus was setting up his kingdom right now. Well, we're living so close to the coming of the Lord. You've had things happen last week, the week before, and the week before. And we'll get into signs. But we'll talk about a few things that have happened lately that are just absolutely radical. You had the, the, the bathing areas around the Temple Mount were filled with water. Uh, first time in 2,000 years, completely full. The rabbis are like, wow, the Messiah has to come. Uh, the Sea of Galilee filled up uh, two weeks ago. The rabbi said, man, you, when you see the Sea of Galilee fill up again, you'll know that the Messiah is about to come. This was kind of an interesting one about rabbis because I don't really quote rabbis very much because they think the Messiah is about to come. It, actually, he is, but it's about seven or eight, nine or ten years from now. The false Messiah is about to be manifested called the Antichrist. It's sad that they're going to take him in as the Messiah. And the Bible says that midway through the tribulation, he presents himself as God, and they see it's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. So kind of an uh-oh moment thinking he's the Messiah, and he's not. He's the devil incarnate. So uh, Rabbi uh, Iksak Kaduri, uh, years ago, 2005, I believe it was, he's a Jewish Orthodox rabbi, and that Jesus appeared to him, and he accepted Jesus as his Savior. And he said for them, he was kind of like the well-respected elderly statesman there, and he died in 2006 and left a letter that was to be opened up a year after his death, saying, I've come to know that Jesus is the Messiah. How cool is that? So we know he went to heaven. Uh, Jesus is the only way, the truth and life. It's the only way you can get there is him. 
Uh, so uh, that rabbi went to heaven. But he did some other writings and actually some prophesying in some of his letters. And some of the letters were opened up. And he prophesied that right before the Messiah comes, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. This last Monday, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz began to uh, co uh, be prime ministers in Israel for the first time. So he even prophesied about several other things about the government of Israel that came to pass just in the last couple of weeks. So they all are like, wow, the Messiah is about to come. Well, he is about to come, but it's about a, uh, about seven years after the, the catching away of the saints. The Bible says that the Antichrist will sign a, a, an agreement, a seven-year agreement with Israel uh, for seven years, and that's when the tribulation starts. It's amazing that the Antichrist can't even be revealed. That's the first seal that opens in the book of Revelation. It can't be revealed until you depart. Paul was real bold about that. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But wasn't that sweet of the Lord to have Paul deal with that for two weeks? He said, don't you know, while I was with you, I talked about all this. So the whole two weeks, Paul was with the church of Thessalonica. He talked about the rapture, talked about the Antichrist, talked about the second coming. Uh, why would why would Paul do that? So they'd be informed. They thought they were in the tribulation. The main reason, really, that you, you can tell that the church is going to be raptured pre-trib is you have so much authority, you can't be here for that seven years because it's seven years of old covenant time that the Lord owes Israel. So uh, Gabriel said, you got 490 years. Well, Jesus came after 483. So God owes them seven years of old covenant time. So uh, we're watching the setup for all of that right now. That's the thing that's remarkable. You're seeing the setup for the tribulation period. Uh, amazing to see pressure get put on people so they'll receive Jesus as their Messiah. So it's exactly like Joseph. Uh, Jesus is going to reveal himself to his brethren at the very end. It's the most remarkable plan ever was, ever will be. But you're getting ready for the entrance of the king. The king of glory about to come back to the planet. This is the hour for the church to awaken and to rise and say, come on in, Jesus. Come on in, king of glory. Function in what he's given you. A walk in the power of the resurrection. See him as he is, high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. He'll strengthen you. He'll encourage you. He'll fill you with grace. The whole purpose of all these things we talk about on the coming of the Lord is because he loves you so much. He wants you blessed. He wants you happy. He wants you encouraged. I said it many times when Colleen and I got married. Uh, she was walking down the aisle. Uh, she wasn't walking down the aisle going, oh, my God, i got to marry that guy. Another one bites the dust. Here we go. No, no. She was excited. She was happy to see me, happy to come down uh, to, to marry me. So that's the way it should be with the church. There should be some radical excitement. When Colleen and I got married the, the day of our wedding, her and all her bridesmaids were getting ready. You know, they were getting all their makeup on. We were, uh, anyway, it was highfalutin stuff. You know, I think it was nine bridesmaids. Anyway, a lot. Well, I wanted to bless Kali in the day we got married. So I had a little gift from Tiffany's. My best man brought that up to the house that they were getting ready in. And a buddy of mine was playing some songs out in the backyard on the piano, uh, uh, Colleen's favorite song. So I was thinking I wanted to surprise her the day that we got married. Listen, if I think like that, think of how the Lord thinks about you. He has some surprises and some fun things for us here right before we leave. So it's exciting. Great things ahead. So uh, grab your Bibles there and look at Isaiah 46. And this will show us why we get into end time preaching. Look at Isaiah. Buzz over to Isaiah chapter 46. And we'll start with verse 9. He says in verse 9, Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Let me paraphrase that for you. He basically said, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Now, the Bible is the only book that gives you future like that. Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel will be reestablished. 
that we celebrated uh, that this week, uh, 72 years of them being regathered. Acts chapter 8 was the diaspora. They were scattered. In your lifetime, they were regathered. So here God said, okay, I'll tell you how you can tell I'm God. I'll tell you future events before they happen. That's pretty amazing because any other religion you talk to, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. Let me read you some names of the Bible and watch what their meanings are, showing you uh, how cool God is. I know you've heard this, but it'll be good to go through it again because it's a ton of info, but it's awesome. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Put the first ten names of guys in the Bible together and look at what it means. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. Wow. Amazing. The whole plan of redemption uh, b- before it happens, right there in the first ten names of guys in the Bible. So God wants us to have a heads up. He puts all this information in here so that we don't miss the markers and miss the signs and see how close we are. So let's go over to Luke, run to Luke 21, and we'll get into some of the signs that we can look at that are very precise. And watch what Jesus talked to them about, why he even brings these up, why he gets into detail, is so that we could know when the kingdom of God is about to come. It wasn't so we'd wonder, it wasn't so we'd sense, because that's the consensus where you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, there's about 50 signs showing us how close we are. And then you've got signals showing us how close we are. So uh, me and an asteroid this week fly by, and it's the ninth asteroid in the, in the month of April, the 34th asteroid uh, this year. So, uh, I mean, there's some things getting ready to happen. So a lot of stuff's going on. So let's go to Luke here, and let's get into detail about this. Look at Luke chapter 21. Skip down to verse 24, and watch Jesus make this super, super clear for us. In verse 24, and they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, that's a pretty pretty radical verse there. He basically said, hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, time's up. So what happened in 1967 in the Six-Day War, Israel was completely surrounded by everyone around her trying to annihilate her. Even this last week, Israel had to take out missiles that were down in Damascus, Syria, that Iran keeps funneling down. In the midst of a coronavirus, uh, Iran's still hauling missiles into Syria to get to Hezbollah in Lebanon so they can try to annihilate Israel. This is what they said. Israel is the rabid dog in the Middle East, and we must wipe them off the map. So Jesus says, hey, when you see Jerusalem one back, uh, time's up. So the six-day war was pretty radical, 1967. So in your lifetime, something Jesus said you could look at to tell that time's about now. Now watch what the Lord does to make it even clearer, because he's going to go into more detail. Look at the more detail in verse 29. If you've got your Bible there, he said he spake to them a parable. Now what's a parable for? It's to make what he had just said be more clear or make it make sense to you. So look what he says in verse 29. Behold the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel. Look at Israel. And all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel, when they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. I like that. He said, you don't have to be told this when the trees begin to bud. You know summer's coming. Man, this year in Tulsa, uh, the, the trees begin to turn green. This is the first year since 1986 
I watch the trees turn green. Usually I'm traveling, going back and forth and on the road, and I come back and they've already turned. I literally watch them go right in front of my eyes. Well, it preached to me that summer's coming. Jesus said, you could see this and you could know this. I like what Kenneth Hagin prophesied years ago. He said there'd be a spirit or an attitude of seeing and knowing upon the church right before the coming of the Lord. Where'd that come from, that verse right there? Let's go into a little more detail. Watch what he says. In verse 31, likewise. I love that word likewise. Likewise, in the same manner, or just as bold as you are when you see the trees, but you know summer's coming. Likewise, in the same manner, when you see these things, what things? Israel made a nation, the fig tree buddy, Jerusalem on back. When you, when you see these things come to pass, no. You should circle the word no. It didn't say wonder. Didn't say sense, didn't say perceive. He said, when you see these things come to pass, you can know, watch, that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Wow, that's so cool. And the next verse is the kicker. You ready? Uh, you got your shot and close on. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. So Jesus said the group of people that sees those two signs or those events, you're the group that he's going to come back. I've heard people go, well, how long is the generation? However you do the math, it's us. In the Old Covenant was 40 years. The New Testament, 70 to 80 years. Uh, you you really got to combine 1967 and 1948. You you come out to about 1950 and uh, actually 1960. Actually, 1950, I can't even do my math anymore. <laughs> but either way, you're the generation. I hear people go, oh, you can't tell the Lord's coming back. He just told you if you saw those two signs, you're the generation. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with it. It don't matter. <laughs> I hear people go, uh, I'm not excited about that. It don't matter either. It's coming. You know, it's amazing, Brother Hagen. I always talk about him. And I talk about how the Lord appeared to his mother before he was born and uh, told him to name him John and that he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. And uh, it's pretty amazing to hear Kenneth Hagen's message went all over the world. I mean, you, I've preached in Rama, Australia, Rama, uh, Italy, Rama, Germany, Rama, all over, all because of Kenneth Hagin sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word, getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. No fanfare whatsoever, sowing the word. Well, what's even cooler is you know what Hagin means in the Hebrew? Hagin means one to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. So here, John Hagin, it's the exact same definition of John the Baptist. Uh, yet Brother Hagin never really said, Ooh, I'm doing this to wake everybody up. But yet the Lord had him preach the word and sow the word to get the gospel out right here for the coming of the Lord. As Jesus said it right there in verse 32, the generation, the group of people that sees this, that's the generation I'm coming for. Look how bold he is in the next verse. Look at the verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away or be altered, it really says in the Greek. Uh, they'll be altered, shall not pass away. Heaven and earth uh, shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. In other words, he said, you can mark this down in your book. You can write this down. You can mark it down. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. The words that the group that sees these two events, that's when he's coming back. So how cool is that? That tells us right there we're living in a very unusual generation. Matthew 24, I said it earlier, we see the coronavirus being a, a symptom or literally a, a birth pain of, of the tribulation period, man, it should be a wake-up call for the whole earth if Jesus is about to come. You have the answers. So let's go through these signs to show us how close we are. Because the, just like on the freeway, the more signs you see, the more closer you get to your destination. So let's go with the next sign. So many have happened so close. So I want to go through some of these and get to the ones that happened just in the last six months, in the last couple of weeks that are dramatic I talked about earlier. All right, number one, Israel made a nation. 
regathered in your lifetime. Number two, Jerusalem won back. Jesus said the group that sees those two events will not pass away to all fulfilled. All right, what's the next sign? You got the Hebrew language restored. Uh, uh, it's amazing that in the last hundred years, it was, it's been brought back to them. Hundred and something years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now everyone speaks Hebrew. A guy named Elie, who'd been Yehudi, said, you know what? We used to speak Hebrew here. We, we should do that. He came up with new words for fountain pen, for, for airplane stuff. And that language has been restored. You can't find anybody speaking Hittite. You can't find anybody speaking Amorite, uh, uh, Jebusite, or whatever kind of site you want. But you can find people speaking Hebrew because God said he would do it. So in your lifetime, the Lord's done that. Amazing. Let's go to the next sign. That's a pretty cool one because it's inarguable. Next sign as well is uh, the Ethiopian Jews brought back. Wow, 18,000 airlifted in one day. Israel sent these C-130s down into Ethiopia and they airlifted them out. It's the first time ever that the manifest on the airplane said 187 people. And when they landed, the plane had 195 people on it. There were babies being born on those airplanes. Wow, how cool. Uh, what do you say? What, what do we put on the birth certificate? You put born in Egypt, born in Israel? No, you put airborne. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll be here all week. Try the meal. Don't forget to tip your waitress. But anyway, uh, how cool of that to God to do that and bring them out in, in one day. Chuck Roberts on headline news. Now listen, on CNN headline news said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what God's doing, you better lift up your heads. The Lord's about to come back. So that's pretty radical. You got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem one back. You got the Hebrew language restored. After that, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. The next sign after that, which is dramatic and radical, is the the fertility of the land of Israel. Israel is the only nation that has more trees since they've been keeping count. Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Think about it. A nation the size of New Jersey that's that prosperous and that blessed. I remember the first time I was up on the Golan Heights and I, I could see the border of Syria. No one had to tell you where the border of Syria was. There's brown dirt right there. And on this side of the border where Israel is, it's lush green grass. I mean, the, God's word is so powerful. It made the, the dirt prosper. I even asked one of my buddies there. I said, do you guys use Scott Super Turf Builder? He looked at me like, I was crazy. To get my grass to look like their grass, I got to fertilize it over and over and over again. I got to water it over and over and over again. And God's word he said, I'll have the land, let me blessed and prosper. And it's exactly like that. So those are, those preach to us. They're tangible. So after, after the, the fruit of the land, uh, I was looking at magazines the other day, actually a while back on uh, the new, new companies, uh, magazines like Time and, and back then it was Newsweek. It, pretty wild that an article came out about Israel's energy bonanza said more oil was found on the Golan Heights than all the oil of Saudi Arabia. So uh, it's amazing God's got Israel set up. These are things that God said he would do right before the coming of the Lord. Okay, after that, you got many more. Let's talk about a few of the ones that happened we talked about earlier. But uh, one of the ones was, uh, I guess, about four months ago, foxes started showing up on the Temple Mount. That's a pretty big deal. In Lamentations, the Bible says in 518 that when you see foxes on the Temple Mount, you can tell that the Temple Mount has gone desolate and it's time for the Messiah. Well, that happened. That was on the front page of the Jerusalem Post. After that, you had the bathing, uh, uh, ritual bathing uh, containers right there on the outside of the temple walls. They filled up with water, first time in 2,000 years. You had the Sanhedrin. This is cool. 
he had the Sanhedrin get in touch with the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, asking him to let them go up on the Temple Mount to have sacrifices. Because Israel can't even go up there and pray. Wouldn't that be weird if you couldn't go to Washington, D.C. and pray in Washington, D.C.? It's all so messed up. And, man, the whole uh, uh, crux of, of all the war that's going to happen is going to be over that piece of real estate called Jerusalem. You know, I didn't get into it, but if you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to Jerusalem. And wow. <laughs> Pretty crazy that you got things happening. I mean, they, they have a makeshift temple now that they basically supportable altar that they had sacrifices on the edge of the temple last year. I saw some of it freaked me out. It's just amazing. Uh, the year before they did that and got arrested. So they didn't get arrested this year, but they're pressing for that. Why is that? You have the Temple Mount Institute, another sign. You have a group of uh, Jewish priests, last name's Cohen, uh, m- making preparation for sacrifices. They've been going to school for 25 years. They have all the instruments together, everything ready for sacrifices. Why? Right after the church is evacuated, it'll go back to Old Covenant time, and they're going to start having sacrifices. They're pressing for that right now. Amazing. Then you had the Sea of Galilee fill up with water, first time in 2,000 years. I mean, that's pretty radical. These are tangible, physical things you can look at to see to see how close we are to the coming of the Lord. One of the signs I like, too, is men would be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. I was in Los Angeles a while back, and a guy had two selfie sticks crossing the road, taking photographs from two different cameras, almost got hit by a car. How would we know we'd ever live in a society that we want to take photographs of ourselves continually? Well, that's one of the things the Bible says you'd see. So let's talk about some more. This next one's really cool. Uh, I was watching the uh, uh, Animal Planet channel a while back, and there was an Israeli ornithologist on there. And the only reason I know what an ornithologist is is my brother was one. It's a bird specialist. Went to college for nine years to study birds. My dad asked him, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. Anyway, this Israeli ornithologist came on there and she said, you know what? It's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species of predatory birds started showing up in the land of Israel. Wow, that's crazy. Now, why is that a big deal? She said, we don't understand it. I said, well, I understand it. Uh, after the Ezekiel 38 war, which happens right after the rapture, uh, God calls on the fowl of the air, the birds, to clean the land up. Seven years later, at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air again to clean the land up. So you have the cleanup crew in Israel right now. So you've got birds in position. You've got the Temple Mount Institute in position. You've got people ready to start having sacrifices in position. You have Russia that's come down into Crimea, Russia that's all over Syria. If we, if we put a map out and saw where there were Russian bases all over Syria, it would freak us out because the Bible says that Russia is going to come down on Israel just after the rapture. That's called the Ezekiel 38 war. They'll come down with Turkey. They'll come down with Iran. They'll come down with uh, Syria. And the Bible says that God intervenes. Now, how can we tell that happens right after the rapture? Because in this dispensation, God doesn't intervene. He leaves it up to the church. Germany prospered after killing 6 million Jews because God's not mad at anybody right now. And nations may be reaping what they sow, but God's not judging them. I know that freaks people out. They would generally think God's God's not wanting to kill people. He laid all of that judgment on Jesus. So, what an amazing time to see all the players get in position. So Russia's in position. Birds are in position. <laughs> the Temple Mount Institute's in position. What's the church doing? Well, we have a pandemic right now that's got the attention of the world. The world is ready to hear about Jesus. Be the biggest witness you've ever been. And, man, you have the answers. The world's looking for the answers. I think the peace that you have and the that you have is the answer for their problems. 
Because listen, there, when you when it comes to end time preaching, if you hear end time preaching that scares you, it's not Bible. It is bizarre that it, the Bible says it in those times. That means exposure to danger. But know your authority. Learn who you are in Christ, and you don't have to be exposed to danger. You walk right through the midst of it. Just like Jesus, they tried to kill him, and he walked right through them. You can have the same grace on your life as, as he is, so are we in this world. We've just had Christianity so... Um, uh, detuned and watered down that we don't think we can walk like that. You can walk exactly like Jesus walked. And he actually said we would. So let's learn our dominion, learn our authority. So let's get back to the signs. You have the the predatory birds showing up. That's pretty crazy. Uh, Foxes on the Temple Mount, pretty crazy. The the two prime ministers of Israel being named Benjamin, that being prophesied, that's just absolutely crazy. So there's many more in the scriptures there to show us where we are. My favorite one, though, is Aerosmith's uh, lead singer, Stephen Tyler, got saved. Listen, when Aerosmith's getting born again, you lift up your head. Jesus is just about to come back. There's tons more. There's about 50. I gave you probably about maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15. They've combined a lot of them there so you can tell. But either way you look at it, the tangible, physical things that are happening in the earth are what God said you would see just before the entrance of the king. I like it that when Gabriel was telling Daniel uh, everything that was going to happen, Daniel saw that week of the tribulation called Daniel's 70th week. And he's freaking out going, man, how can anybody make it through this? And I love what Gabriel said to him. He said, don't worry, the ancient of days will prevail. So soon the ancient of days will come back to the planet. The Bible says it will be so dramatic at the second coming. Now we know at the rapture of the church, we'll go up to meet Jesus in the air. And at the second coming, we bodily come back down with him. It's so radical at the second coming that even mountains are moved out of the way. There are no more mountains because they vibrate and break at the entrance of the king. Man, God's so cool. Uh, he made a hundred billion uh, galaxies with a hundred billion stars like our sun just so we'd have twinkle lights at night. He just thinks a little different than we do. But we're about to see him as he is, high and lifted up. We're about to see his eyes as flame of fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. I like it in Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's the wonder worker. Luke, he's the son of man. John, he's the son of God. Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. Romans, he's the justifier. Corinthians, he's the sanctifier. Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Genesis, he's the seed of a woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. Come on, he's in every book. We're about to see the one that made everything that you see. Hebrews says, by himself, he purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's the brightness of the glory of God. He's the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Oh man, how cool is that that we're about to see him? So the signs are there to push you to go, hey, make changes. I would hope, uh, you know, uh, we get kinder and sweeter the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. I mean, I couldn't imagine just before Jesus comes, we're like, hey, what are you doing? No, I would think there would be a softness about you. There'd be a kindness about you because you're about to see Jesus. How wild is that? So uh, my mom used to do this when we were kids. We got a hold of the word in 1970. We started going to John Osteen's church in Houston, 1970. And uh, she would say, hey, Jesus is coming tonight. I'm like, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is coming tonight. What are you talking about? Well, it kind of freaked me out as a kid. But you know what? I went to bed every night going, Lord, I love you. The ha- You can either respond with humility or haughtiness. So uh, we're about to see him. So let's go through some signals for a minute. We, we've gone through some of the signs. But, man, there's some signals happening right now that are pretty remarkable and uh, preach to us loud and clear. You know them. We'll talk about them for a couple of minutes. But the first one was uh, 
the blood red moons a few years ago. I mean, how radical is that? Blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. Four in a row. NASA calls it a tetrad. I mean, it's crazy. What's Passover? We just had it when he died for us. Tabernacles. That's when he's going to come back and tabernacle with men. So the heavens are signaling, I died for you. I'm coming back. I died for you. I'm coming back. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? This is radical. 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492, the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. I mean, some pretty, pretty dates on some very significant things. Even the gap between the last two was 19 years and 48 years. That's all the Lord, you're just showing off now. So he's trying to get our attention. He loves you. He wants you excited. He wants you expectant. He doesn't want you freaked out. He wants you happy. So that's a pretty big deal. After that, which we don't really hear a lot of preaching on it, we have the Bethlehem Star. Uh, Boy, remarkable. At the birth of Jesus, you had some celestial events. You had Jupiter, you had Regulus, you had Venus come together. Jupiter's a king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Uh, Venus, winter from Mars, winter from Venus. You had all three of those planets come together. Isn't it amazing? The Magi could look at the heavens and see a king was about to be born. Isn't that something they rode by donkey for like five to seven hundred miles to get to Jerusalem or to Bethlehem to see the birth of the king? You know, my buddies, if we're going to go on a motorcycle ride, uh, if it's 30 miles, they, they, if you're going to say, hey, we're going to go see something cool, they go, dude, it better be over the top. We're going to ride 30 miles, much less than 100 miles. Well, it was amazing. At the birth of Jesus, you had Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus coming together with Bethlehem Star. The constellation was Virgo because Jesus was born with a virgin. Well, this last year, NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt said, hey, we have a celestial event. We've got Jupiter, we've got Regulus, we've got Venus. Man, I freaked out. It's a Bethlehem Star. First time in 2,000 years. Pretty amazing. Well, uh, <laughs> what was the constellation? The constellation was Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then you had Mercury do a flyby. The sun does it about five times in a century, but it went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. The planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Uh, the Orion changed its instrument to hammer. You had hammer and sickle on the same day. And what's that? That's Russia's symbol. God's trying to tell Israel you're getting ready to go through the threshing floor. So that's pretty amazing. You got, you got blood red moons. Got Bethlehem Star. You got Mercury doing a flyby. It's pretty crazy. Let me give you this next uh, uh, signal. Which this one is really still to me is remarkable. It's about President Trump. And brace yourself because this is pretty pretty out there, pretty radical. God's so amazing. All right, when uh, I guess midway through President Trump's presidency, I was preaching in Birmingham, Alabama, and woke up that night and uh, there was a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon midway through his presidency. When, when President Trump was born, there was a, a blood moon. 700 days later, Israel was made a nation. This is pretty radical. When Trump was elected president of the United States, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When President Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. That's pretty radical. And we know that the Lord's coming back on Feast of Trumpets. He's fulfilled Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and then Pentecost. So the next feast to be fulfilled is trumpets. Our president's name, Trump, and our vice president's name, Pence, mean the coming of the Lord. Trumpets. When you say our president and vice president, you're saying the Lord's coming about to come back. Well, what do we do? We're, we're all hands on deck. We're engaged. And when you get married, right before you get married, you get engaged. Why, why, why do they call that engaged? You talk more. You don't talk less. And now's the time to have your relationship with Jesus white hot, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I mean, if, if it takes a pandemic to get the world's attention, so what? We got, got, we got their attention. Let's preach Jesus. 
Yes, it's terrible and it's horrible. And thank God this weekend we'll get some, some things lifted and we'll try to get back to a relative normal. But man, people's hearts are open and ready for the gospel. Well, you've got the answers. You got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem one day. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. And I forgot about this one. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. I love this one because uh, you have the capital building in Strasbourg, France. And it's not similar to the Tower of Babel. It's identical to the Tower of Babel. I mean, uh, how crazy. The, the, the art out in front of the building is a molecule of iron magnified. If you look at it and you put them side by side, the drawings of the Tower of Babel, and then that building, it's pretty, pretty amazing to see that. And then you can get even crazier over there in Switzerland. Uh, the company CERN, C-E-R-N, you Google it. Uh, they have a particle collider. They're looking for the God particle. It's underground there, how they split atoms, you know, it's a particle collider and they measure the, the quantum physics and stuff and, and the atoms and stuff. Look at their logo, it's 666. I mean, how radical. You would think someone would go, hmm, I don't think this is the right, the right logo for a 666. I hear so many people uh, with all that's going on right now, people saying, well, you know, if you take a vaccine for, for the coronavirus, you it's like taking the mark of the beast. Uh, that's not true. You'll, people will know willfully that they took the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast is about commerce. It's a, it's about uh, a type of uh, currency to be used that you can't buy or sell without it. So look how the world is set up for all of a sudden this leader to come on the scene. And right after we're raptured, all of a sudden the Antichrist will be revealed. You don't have to worry about it. You won't know who he is because uh, he's not revealed until we leave. Thessalonians says, Paul said, hey, don't worry. He can't even be revealed until the church departs. The, the word apostasia there is not a apostasia, it's the apostasia. It means a departure. It's not a departure from the faith. It's the same word that was used for Enoch, departed before the flood. Well, Enoch, it, the earth got so polluted that God took Enoch off the earth and let Noah preach. Just like God's going to take the church off the earth, we'll hand off to the Jews. And God raised up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And it's amazing how God, Enoch handed off to Noah, Elijah handed off to Elisha, Jesus handed off to the church, the church is going to hand off to the Jews. And man, they're going to have a harvest. The Bible says their harvest is half of the population. In Matthew 24, at the second coming, this is not the rapture, one's taken and one's left. So you got 50%, just like when Jesus was on the cross. One thief got saved, the other thief did not get saved. So there's a, a setup for all of this right now. You're feeling that pressure for that man of sin to be revealed, the Antichrist. It's amazing. Jesus had three and a half years in his ministry. All he did was go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The Antichrist, midway through the trip, is going to enter into that man, and he'll have three and a half years, just like Jesus had three and a half years. The tribulation is seven years long. So there's a lot of weird preaching now about, you know, we're in the tribulation. No, we're not in the tribulation. That can't start till the church departs, and Israel signs an agreement for seven years with the Antichrist. That's in Daniel chapter 9. Things are very clear about that. And it's amazing how we're word people about healing, word people about righteousness, word people about prosperity. When it comes to the coming of the Lord, people throw all kinds of stuff out and say, hey, don't give me Bible. I want tradition. Well, uh, your traditions make the word of God to no effect. Once you get into the scriptures, you find out flawlessly how the plan of God is and how it's set up. But you have an appointment here real soon at the reward seat of Christ. We're about to be raptured. We're going to go to the reward seat of Christ. Jesus is going to bless you and honor you for you giving your life for him. And it'll be amazing. You'll wear your 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 faithfulness on your rings and your jewelry and all of your, your gold, silver, and precious stones you'll carry around you. He's not going to judge your sin at that judgment. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. It's actually the Bema. It's the reward seat of Christ. 
He's going to reward you for the motive of your heart. Your, your, your works are either going to be gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want a bonfire at the reward seat of Christ. You don't want the angels going back up. This is not going to be good. It's no, you want some gold, silver, and precious stones. So with all of these signs, with all this stuff happening in the earth right now, showing us how close we are to the return of the Lord, focus on the reward seat of Christ so that you can do something that will carry you into eternity and you'll be clothed indicative of your faithfulness. Just like in the military, a general has stars right there. He doesn't have to tell you he was faithful. In the military, you have badges right there. It's called fruit. They don't, they don't have to say they were faithful. You can look at their uniform and tell they were faithful. You don't want to be walking around the millennium in a speedo bathing suit. You want some robes. Well, we still have some time to do some things that are unselfish, to have some time to do some things that are thoughtful. And this season, just before a rapture, those are some great words for you, unselfishness and thoughtfulness. So that's what we do. We'll be a blessing. We show people Jesus' true personality, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, because he's just about to come. You know, we're... We say we make preparations to see him face to face, but you know what? You can get to know him so well through the word that it's just as good as seeing him face to face. Because Jesus said that. He said, you believe because you've seen Thomas. Blessed are they that believe that haven't seen. So the, Jesus said, we're, we're blessed because we believe without seeing. I want to do this before we close. I know uh, Life Church is so cool and so awesome and has grown so much over the years. And you may be watching tonight. And uh, you may be a visitor to Life Church. This may be new to you. A lot of information thrown at you tonight about end times. But please come back and hear Pastor Mark. He has a grace on his life to teach you the word, to instruct you, uh, to feed you, guide you, strengthen you every week. So make sure you come back and, and hear him. But if you happen to be watching tonight and you've never made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, uh, I, I want to introduce you to him. It's not hard, not complicated. You just say, Lord, come into my life. And you can give your life to him and you can be born again. You know, it's amazing that he gave his life for us and was beaten for us. And all we have to do is accept that. Adam messed up. All that came on mankind. And with Adam's mess up, Jesus fixed it much more. What happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. So if, if you want to do this, and I believe you should, don't put it off. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you tonight as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you made that decision tonight, you're going to live forever. Eternity, the quadrillion, trillion, smillion, however many million years you want to say, you're going to live forever. Jesus is so coming so soon. I believe this spring that we're going to rock into more people being hearing the word, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, power of God, the demonstrations of the resurrection, showing people that Jesus came out of the grave. So enjoy this season. We don't have very much time for the rapture of the church. Let's be all in. Let's let's help and support our local church. Let's, let's do whatever we can to be uh, uh, engaged even more than ever before. God's got you guys such cool pastors, such cool church. And I know great things are going to happen in the days ahead. What a treat and an honor to be with you. Can't wait for Colleen and I get to be with you in person. Want to be cool? Thank God for the technology, but it'll be great to be with you. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you so much for, for that word. Hey, let me talk to everybody real quick that, that just prayed. You just received the Lord, and uh, you prayed that prayer yourself. And I tell you, it worked. When you call upon the name of the Lord, the, the scripture says you will be saved. So that means you are. 
praise God, I'm celebrating with you today. I do want to uh, send you some information. In fact, I have a, a packet of information here we call our Salvation Pack. Part of it includes this book that I wrote for you called Life Starts Now. And, and so if you will uh, send us a text to that number there on your screen, and if you will text specifically the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, and uh, text it to that number, you'll get an immediate text back, then you can tell us uh, where to send this information. Uh, and it'll be a blessing to you. It's one thing to be saved, and that's the most important thing, but you need to learn to walk with God every day of your life. He wants to make your life so good you can hardly stand it. And so we're celebrating with you today. Amen. Uh, Brother Joe, are you still on there? Are you still with us on the broadcast? Yes, how are you doing? Oh, praise God. Okay. Uh, You know, I've been stirred a lot lately. Uh, during this time about the move of God and about, uh, you know, you just mentioned some things right there at the end about, uh, however you said it, about the gifts gifts and the glory of God and miracles and stuff. And and uh, I don't know, I, I have high expectation. We all see these things. You see them in your ministry regularly. We're seeing things at our church. There's a real expectation in my heart for things to uh, increase. Um, what, 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 what are you, what's your heart? What's your expectation or what is been revealed to you. I think it's a season of just radical expectation. James promises us double of what the book of Acts was. And, you know, we go, how do we, how do we expect this? Well, look at the book of Acts and go backwards. Acts 8, Acts 7, Acts 6, Acts 5, Acts 4. It was all the power of God. It wasn't sleep preaching. It was all demonstrations of the resurrection. And I believe that we're in for wonderful demonstrations. The church has got to pick up that mantle as you, as you could say it and say, hey, I have the name of Jesus. It's not about me, not about my call, not about my grace. It's about him and about his name. And the focus has to get on, uh, look how wonderful he is. And I believe we're going to see an explosion of the gifts of the Spirit, explosion of miracles. Uh, I mean, we've all had that in our hearts for years at the very end. Well, just like in a race, you always kind of save the best for last. So I believe it's a great thing to go ahead. Amen. Amen. And uh, praise God, we can be right in the middle of it. And uh, we've been thinking about yeah. it, praying about it, expecting it, hearing men and women of God prophesy about it, seeing, of course, seeing it in the Word and just seeing what the Lord said about doing His works and greater works. And uh, we can be a part of it uh, in these last days, right before we finish things up. What a great time to be alive. Yeah. We're so privileged, yeah. aren't we? We're blessed. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being with us uh, today, and uh, you're our inaugural uh, online um, internet (laughs) guest speaker, and so we've never done it just this way before, but I think it turned out really well. That was a tremendous message, again, stirring us up about the time in which we live and about the coming of the Lord, so uh, praise God for that. Thanks for being with us today, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon and and, uh, at some point in person again. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thrilled to be with you guys. Tell, greet everyone for me. Sure, sure good to be with you. All right. All right. Thanks. Blessing, blessings on you. Uh, all right. Everybody else, before we sign off tonight, um, uh, again, I want to remind you we'll be live in person on site uh, this Sunday. Look for my video tomorrow about uh, some of the 
practical aspects of that. But I look forward to seeing you Sunday, all three services. If you can come to the third service, uh, that would help us tremendously to spread things out. And uh, But we're going to have an outstanding time. This is tonight, I believe, our last online-only service. Now, Sunday will be online as well. And, uh, and so we're still going to try to reach the world through multiple mediums, multiple avenues. And, uh, but we will be live in person this Sunday. And I look forward to seeing you here. Amen. All right. Well, you be blessed tonight. I'm going to sign off for now. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.